right, let's go. Let's do this. Are you sure you want to do this? What do you mean? Do you want to go? Do you want to do this? I mean, you got your stuff all ready? I got my testimony right here. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophets. Yeah, that's right, Barbarian Nation. We're back on here today, and I'm coming back in with a person that I visit with pretty regular, and he talks to me so much, I don't ever think about going to sad and saying, Rocky Johnson, I need to catch your testimony, and I, I have not done that. I mean, we, we joke around, we talk a lot, we kind of uh, mess with a few things. Rocky has his own uh, uh, YouTube channel going right now that I, he's going to talk about here, and uh, you know, we, as we kind of gear in to get other shows on, I definitely want to get a couple of the people that I'm with all the time. I want to capture their stories because it's very easy to forget those people as I continue clawing my way through getting uh, people to be on the show. And so, without further ado, and without gilding the lily, Rocky Johnson. What's up, y'all? Go go subscribe to my YouTube channel, Warriors of the Word. I know it's kind of a crazy, it's kind of a crazy address, but um, I typed in "Wow, Warriors of the Word" and YouTube said no there's too many of those like that so i had to do it this way so if you go to youtube you can type in w capital w dot capital o dot capital w underscore warriors of the word all in capitals and it should be like a little knight kneeling that is my youtube channel if you get a hold of me on facebook messenger i can send you the link And that would be definitely the best way to do it. That would be the best way to do it. Just get a hold of me on Messenger, Rocky Johnson. Just look me up. There's, I'm sure, a million of us. Mine is a picture of Christ being crucified. So that is my messenger picture. So what I hear you saying is you've got two things. I've got a name, Rocky Johnson, (laughs) and I have a, a YouTube channel that everybody else trying to be just like me. Everybody's trying to be just like me. Yeah, that's, that's the way I would call it. (laughs) It's a lot like when Indiana Jones was uh, in uh, was lost, and then what ended up happening is he said, everybody's lost except for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's everybody else's issue, not mine. That's right. All right, cool. So, Rocky, let's hear a little bit about your background. Right? Where where were you raised up at? Okay, so I was born in Riverton, Wyoming. That's okay, don't read all that paper, man. <laughs> Just give me the story. You were born where? I was born in Riverton, Wyoming. I am a Wyoming boy, born and raised. I've traveled a lot, been to a lot of different states, but uh, Wyoming's my home, man. This is where I lay down my roots. And uh, so I was born in Riverton. It's a little small town. Um, it's part of the Wind River Indian Reservation. <clears throat> so I had a lot of Native friends growing up. Right on. And uh, I have four sisters and one older brother. I am the baby of the family. That may have something to do with why I feel spoiled all the time. And act spoiled all the time. No, I get it. I get it. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Sure. Come on, man. So, uh, so you were born there in Riverton, Wyoming, off the res. And then, uh, what ended up happening? You grow up there. I did grow up there. Um, when I, did you leave? How old were you when you left? The first time I left, I think I was 15 or 16. Okay. How, and then you, uh, mm-hmm. so 
Give us the rest of the rundown. What was it like growing up in Riverton, Wyoming? So it's, it's uh, like I said, it's a little small town. And so it's pretty um, ranchy, pretty farmy. Um, lots of, uh, it's just a small town. So, you know, in small towns, everybody knows everybody's business. And, you know, you can't, you can't fart without somebody smelling it across town and then telling their neighbor about it. You know what I mean? Casper's a big town, and right now Christy claims that about me. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I, I can't go. That's why I can't go anywhere with you in public. <laughs> you know, well, I, I imagine when you were cruising around uh, over there in Riverton, et cetera, everybody in their dog knows you, don't they? They do. And everybody in this town knows you anymore as well, right? They do. Some good, some not so good. Yeah, I get it. Uh. So, anyway, give me the rest of the saga with, uh, uh, so you ran around there. Do you end up, well, you had to end up doing something bad because you ended up in prison. So, let's let's jump right through a couple of hoops. Okay, so I sang too loud in the church choir. Yeah. Yeah, and so they kicked me out of church, and they sent me to prison for singing too loud in the church choir. Well, none of that's true, but let's okay. get back to the reality of it. All right, fair enough. Um I started drinking at a young age, started um, pretty much a criminal life at a young age. No, why, break- why do you think that was? <clears throat> um, I think a broken home. Okay. Um, mom and dad divorced then? Mom and dad were not divorced. Oh, just not right. Just not right. Okay. Um, I didn't know until I was you know older that my mom had mental problems. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was a severe alcoholic, mm-hmm. worked for Coors for over 30 years, Um. And they're just uh, like kind of a thing. Like I don't ever remember my mom and dad ever telling each other that they loved them or I can't remember ever telling any of us six kids that they did. I'm sure they did. I just don't remember any of it. Right. right. Um, so my friends were, you know what I mean? My friends were the click, man. Those were the people that I hung out with the most. So, and they weren't the best. They weren't the best role models. That's for sure. You know, we were, we were doing what kids do, breaking windows out of houses and breaking into houses and, um, mostly empty houses. Mostly. Mostly. And, uh, you know, just doing, doing heathen stuff. You know right. what I mean? So, uh, then what, what ended up happening with, um, so you went from drinking, was that a major issue with you? I mean, if you it had was. a father that was, uh, already suffering from alcoholism, I can see where that would develop into a problem. Yeah, it was, um, you know, stealing dad's beer and stuff and cigarettes and, just doing those kind of things, man. And <clears throat> yeah, I started drinking, um, probably I would say around probably six or seven years old going hunting and doing the things that Wyoming boys do. You know what I mean? Right. And going with my, my dad and uncles and going hunting and then, you know, they're drinking at 5am. Right. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, of course that is kind of a Wyoming thing on more than one occasion. So, so then, uh, what about getting in actual trouble? How do we end up with that? Okay, so getting in actual trouble. Um, <clears throat> I think the first, well, I been, I did about three stints in the Wyoming Boys School. Okay, what for what? Um, one for um, uh, destruction of property, one for running away, and one for stealing my dad's keys to the Coors Place and... Uh, Helping myself. Well, we got a drinking problem. The <laughs> keys you're going to steal are not to the car, but to the giant batch of alcohol 
Yes. Yeah. So I want to hear about that one. Did you already get arrested for that? Yeah. Were you a teenager? Teenager, yeah. So it's, so we got a crime that will not count today. Correct. Tell me what happened. I want to hear the scam. All right. I want to so. hear it. You guys like got the keys. An alcoholic kid, an alcoholic's kid that is quickly becoming an alcoholic steals the key to the major distributor of alcohol. Um, I think I think there's been movies made of this with other things, but uh, let's go ahead and hear <coughs> your version of uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> so I feel like I was peer pressured into it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, you probably applied the peer pressure to your buddies. Fair enough. Um, I said, you know, we were out alcohol and I was like, well, you know, my dad works at Coors, right? So I army crawled into his bedroom. He always left his keys, um, attached to his work pants and, uh, crawled in there on my belly, army crawled, snatched the keys. We took, I want to say a 1978 Chevy pickup with the long bed and filled that whole thing to the top of the bed. Oh, wow, man. And, and, you know, I, I don't know what we were thinking. I don't know why we didn't take kegs. Cause there was tons of them in there. <laughs> we took cases of beer and party balls. And, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if some of you guys out there remember party balls, but there were exactly five gallons of beer and a little, like a mini keg. I, I want to know was, was any of this playing in the background? Because that's the theme song to Gone in 60 Seconds. <laughs> and we did it. I did it more than, I shouldn't say we, uh, I did lead the charge in that. So I did it more than one time too. Okay. Um, the so how did he figure out? Why didn't you go make another key so you'd have your own and could come and go anytime you wanted? Well, this is how they found out they did inventory. <laughs> and they figured We're coming out, up 70 cases shy or uh, 100 cases or 1,000, like 1,000 cases shy. Yeah, pretty close. Oh, good, great. Well, when you notice that a third of the warehouse is missing, somebody's going to do inventory, man. <laughs> right. And so, well, they did it. I don't remember if it was weekly or monthly or whatever, but... They figured out that a bunch of people. It's alcohol. They do it every week. Yeah, yeah. So they figured that out. I'm sure they, I don't remembering, I don't remember them having cameras back then, but I'm sure that they probably figured it out real quick. How did they know it was you? Um, somebody told on me. Snitches <laughs> go in the ditches. Got it. So then, uh, so yeah, that that was your first big. That's pretty big crime, actually. That was my first big big crime. Um, the other two were pretty minor, like shoplifting, breaking into empty houses, um, breaking windows, stuff like that. I remember. I, I hear something crazy that kind of happened. So my dad went with me to court. <clears throat> oh my gosh, I still remember the judge, Judge Kale, and it was a woman, and she was she was a uh, hard, but. And uh, I, w I went in there and I had a Metallica shirt on and on the front of the shirt, it said, <laughs> it said hammer of justice crushes you. That's a, that's, and she recognized that she did. And she, she said, I, you are to turn in all your heavy metal paraphernalia to the court. Every tape as cassette tapes back then, every cassette tape, every poster, every shirt you are to turn into the court before you go to the Wyoming boys school. 
Okay, so uh, just that's kind of a weird precedent. It is a weird precedent. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question. Uh, see, uh, yeah, I don't want to drag my story into this, but the only thing I'd say is I had a I had a judge ask for my colors one time. Told him everybody else that tried ain't here no more. You want them? Come and get them. Oh boy, and that did cost me some time. Yeah, I'm sure it did. But that's life. That is life. Okay, so anyway, go on with, uh, so did you turn in all your rock and roll paraphernalia? Did they think that that is what was making you naughty? Yeah, back then they did. (laughs) I was a kid. It was 80s, early 90s, late 80s. Um, So I had to turn in all my Iron Maiden posters, all my Twisted Sister stuff, all that kind of stuff. and um, Turned it all in. After I got out of the boys' school, they did give it back to me, and uh, so I don't know what the purpose of all that was. Anyway, control, control, right? Um, that was not the end of my criminal career. I wish I could say that it was. You know, as I got older, the criminal activity got bigger. And uh, at seventeen, uh, I tried meth for the first time. Uh, well, that ain't good. Let's hear the rest of that saga, bro. Well, that went on for about close to, I don't know, 25 years of my life. Um, In between that 25 years, I did 15 years in prison. Altogether, not in one stretch, but altogether. Um, That's pretty, pretty big stint. So you went in at what age? uh, I went in, I went in the feds when I was 27. Oh, 27? Yeah. Okay. And then? And then, so. You did how long there? I did uh, eight years and eight months. Okay. Yeah, the Fed ain't no joke, man. <clears throat> and so I uh, I in and out of prison, in and out of prison, in and out of prison. Um, the last time I went was 2017. Uh, I went to the state prison in 2014 while I was on Fed paper. Okay. And uh, so I had to go finish. They said, obviously, you're not built for supervised release, which is what they call kind of what they call parole in the feds. Right. Um, you don't really get parole. You do 85 percent of your time flat and you don't you get out after you do that much. So. Uh, right. And the other thing that they do is you're on those numbers until those numbers are dead. Correct. They so. tell you two years, they 24 months, you'll be done with them. Right. And they can add to it anytime they want. For anything. <clears throat> yep. So, so so go on with uh so you, you get in there. So is that where you came to Christ in there? Um I actually I actually got saved before I went. I okay. was trying to get clean and sober at the time. Okay. And um And this this when you were up in Rock Springs. In Rock Springs, and you've talked about that on mm-hmm. our other show mm-hmm. on Holy Hooligans, and you talked about getting saved at that church. So right. so that story's been covered. What I want to cover here okay. is what did it look like to walk in there a Christian, but still, you know, you're still battling some demons. Absolutely, I was. Um, I didn't. <clears throat> I found out that I first thing I found out was I wasn't as tough as I thought I was. Okay, go on. <laughs> Explain. I'm listening. Okay, so I mean, in federal prison, you're in with people from all over the nation. Um, you're not just from the people in your state or just the people that's surrounding. You're from people from the east to the from the west to the north to the south. Right. Um, <clears throat> and some dudes that have been in there for a very long time. Oh yeah. And uh, and some dudes that all they do is lift weights and eat. 
yeah, and, and stab people. And that's that's you know they don't put the nicest people in prison. That <laughs> right. is definitely a case. And when you are in, yeah, in the Fed system, you're not like these ain't homeboys. These ain't people nope. that have grown up Wyoming. No, nope. some um, a little small, very very minute amount of us in there. If you can find them. Right. Um, most, mostly, so a lot of guys from Wyoming will have 307 tattooed on them so you can identify them. <clears throat> identify the dead body or what? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. I got it. Go yeah, on, go Yeah, on. fair enough. So, you know, um, you know, it's very political. It's very, you stick with your race yep. in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the Fed, man. You're, right. And it, so, you, so I saw some crazy people stuff. people on the street think that they deal with racism. Yeah. That's always kind of a... Kind of makes me laugh a little bit when right. they, when people uh, do that because they don't understand what it's like inside. Right, they don't, and it's and it's. Uh, I would sell. I would say that's probably the closest thing to hell on earth. I would agree with that. Yeah. So and and that's the point of it, right? You no, know, that's the point of a penitentiary is a place of penance, right? A, pa- a place of penance, right? Yep. You are paying for something, right? So, so uh, how did let's what did Christian look like in prison was it even is it even a possibility in the fed it's really hard because um i'll just say this there's a certain kind of people that hang out in church in prison they hang out for protection sure you're mostly that have been in for a sex offense of some type yes etc and so that's what everybody considers the christians to be in the system is uh pedophiles Etc. Yeah, and and if you go there, um, your people will look at you as the same that they look at them, unless you stand up for your faith. Right. I immediately did that with um, my shot caller. Um, He called me in and he said, "You know, why are you going to church?" And I said, "Listen, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Um, I I don't go there for any other reason but for my my uh, soul Mm -hmm. and my faith." Mm -hmm. I said, "I don't. I'm not caring what those other people are doing. I'm there for me." Right. And he said, okay, fair enough. I'll tell the guys to lay off you, man. He okay. said, "He said, you know, you know the kind of people that are in there. And I said, once again, man, I. You're not in there for them. I'm not in there for them. You know, and, I, I run into that all the time inside where I got guys that say, well, do you know what he's in here for? I said, no, and I don't know what you're in here for either. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah, and I don't care. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that they automatically have trust with me on the street or anything else. Sure. Absolutely. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, the funny thing is no matter, and I'm not justifying anybody anywhere, but at the end of the day, when you're in prison, uh, you're wearing the same color outfit and you're eating the same food guarded by the same people, et cetera. It doesn't make it easy. There ain't nothing easy about prison. Yeah, that's right. And there are people in there that have done heinous and horrific crimes. And yes. there are people in there that have uh, made pretty epic mistakes. But, uh, you know, it's very rare that there's a person in there that doesn't doesn't end up getting in there. I mean, they get themselves tied up and get in it. I think the, I think the most minute um, thing that I've seen in there was this guy didn't pay his taxes and he got six months in the feds. What kind of taxes did he avoid? <laughs> I'm not sure. But yeah, but it's something not a little bitty like you and I would think. No. We didn't pay in our, you know, right, right. six, seven, ten grand. Right, I think he probably little... didn't pay in a couple of million I'm, dollars. So I'm sure. his six months didn't really mean bunkola, but yeah, right. he still had to do the time. Sure he did. 
Okay, so here's the other thing. So you get in there, you you have to you have to sort through. You have a shot caller. Uh, most people out there don't know what that means. You want to explain that? Okay, so in every race, you have a guy that's either been handed what they call the keys of that race, or um, you know they've been in there for several years and have earned their worked their way up, so to speak, in that race. There's a shot caller for every race, right? And so now let's bounce on to the next part of the deal. So he does. He is the one that is literally the shot caller. Correct. He is the one that calls the shots. Correct. For that race, yes. Right. So that's El Jefe there. Now the next thing that goes on is uh, so you go through and do your time. Uh, how, how soon was it before they started getting you further and further away from church? Um, it was – when I was at the end of my sentence, more than anything. Right. And, Why is that? Um, because the, I, I had moved to a different prison and, um, I was, I was really used to the, the church that I was going to. And, you know, when you, when, when you switch churches, even out here, it's a little unnerving at first. Right. And, um, so I was just like, you know what, I'm good till I get out. I don't need to go to this church. It doesn't, there's no flavor in it. There's no nothing in it. The guy just stands up there and talks and really doesn't even, and I'm studying the Bible this whole time too, by the way. And he's starting to say things that are not lining up with the word of God. Okay. And uh, I'm I'm just like, yeah, no. Yeah. We need to do that even on the street. If it ain't lining up with the word of God, then we don't need nothing to do with it. Yeah. And he's just injecting his opinion of the word and not um, the actual word. And I, right. I was just like, yeah, no, I got to, I'll find me a church on the outside when I get out. And I did for a while. Um, I went to, I came here when I, when I got out of the feds. Uh, to Casper. Right. Came to the halfway house out here. Um, somebody, what, somebody. What church did you attend? Well, my first church was actually the church I go to now, which is Highland Park. Okay. Oh yeah. For CR. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried a restoration and I tried some couple other churches and, uh, that somebody invited me to CR and I was like, I didn't even know what that was. I was like, what is that? And they're like, well, it's a Christ centered recovery thing. And I'm like, okay, let's go check it out. Right. And I went there and you know, they welcomed me in like I'd been there for 20 years. You know what I mean? And they welcomed me in with open arms, pastor Chris and uh, pastor Adam, my homie, shout out to pastor Adam, pastor Chris celebrate recovery. And uh, you know, they asked me the basic questions. Why are you here? You know what's your what's your addiction? Uh, where you, where's your walk out with God? Um, you know, kind of kind of questioned me, and I, <clears throat> we sat down and had a chat. And uh, I kind of I was out at the halfway house, so I kind of bounced in and out of there, here and right. there, here and there, here and there. But it quickly became my home, man. Um, and then you know there were some relapses and stuff that happened within the. I guess it's been what to 12, 12 years now. Cause I started going there in 2011 in and out, in and out right for about 12 years. Now, when did you <clears> end up moving into the mission? Okay. I moved into the mission. Um, let me think when I got out, where did I live? When I got out of the feds. Huh. Oh, that was the feds. Cause yeah, when yeah. you came to the mission, it was after you got out of state. Yeah, it was after I got out of state. Right. Okay. So let's, let's bounce to that. So you get out, you're having some issues, et cetera. What do you do to screw up to go back? Uh, well, and you messed around with the state, and you said you still had fed time. Right. So you messed around. You got 
snatched up. You get sent into Wyoming State Correction. You did your time in Torrington, correct? Correct. All right. So what did that end up looking like when you got there? What was uh, uh, you screw up on the street? Right. What do you think makes you mess up on the street? Easier access. Easier access? Is it any less easy than it is now? No. So what was the difference? I wasn't ready. So what do you think would have helped you get ready? Me taking the tools that I was learning and actually applying them like I am now. I wasn't. I was just, well, to be honest, I was what they call faking the funk. I could talk a good game, but my walk wasn't matching my talk at the time. So you <clears throat> you were you were believing in Jesus, but you right. really you really weren't living the life. Right. And and the same with recovery as well. Well, there there's plenty of people out there that do that even in churches. Yeah, that's real. Okay. So and that's it and I'm I'm on track with you here and I'm mm-hmm. appreciating your story. Mm-hmm. And uh but I want people to understand how it is that people go in, come out, they're mm-hmm. working hard at being a Christian and they get tied up into some stupid mm-hmm. and they end up back inside. So you end up back inside down in Torrington. So I let's do. talk about Torrington prison <coughs> just a little bit. Okay. So how long did you do there? Um I did I got sentenced to a three to five and I did two and some change. Okay. And so what did it look like being a Christian in there comparatively to the street or comparatively to the fed? It was, it was considerably easier in there. Okay. Um, there wasn't, I mean, there were still politics, but nothing like the feds. Right. Um, everybody kind of, um, you know, we still had kind of a shot caller and, we had, you know, we had a guy we we would go to if we had issues, you know what I mean? Right. But it wasn't nothing like the feds. It wasn't as militant, I guess, right. say, as the feds. Um, it was way more laid back, way more chilled out. People were just there to do their time, and, you know, they weren't trying to, they weren't trying to just cause chaos all the time. Right. <clears throat> well, they have rules there, too. I mean, at that prison, you end up going to a different one fairly fast. Yeah, the, yeah, real quick. And they, they, they don't they don't mind shipping you out of state. They, you, know, you want to be a tough guy, we'll send you where it's tough. Yeah, that's real. And uh, so uh, it, it's, tell me how the church worked in there. Well, uh, I met up with, and I wish, he could, I wish I could remember his name, man. He was the little, he was... Um, little small uh what was his name i want to say his last name was lewis but that's not right he was a little he was a little small black dude yeah i remember him I, yeah, i'm yeah. trying to remember his name too yeah, I, I can't it's remember. been a long time and i can't i went in there to get some book i went into the little library they have there which is really small and <clears throat> well the office of the so you got to have jobs when you're in prison and his job was at the chapel right and so I went in there and, uh, what year is this? This is, let's see. I went in, well, I went down in 13 and went to prison the day after the Super Bowl. So it would have been February of 14. Okay. So I had already been in there a year. Yeah. And, uh, so I was in there getting some books. Well, the office, the chapel office is in the library too. It's just a small room about as big as this. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and it had bookshelves and yep. kind of like this. And it had a bunch of Christian books on it and Bibles and, Right. So I was in there look, getting some read material, and I and I noticed he's a. I know you know who I'm talking about. I just can't. I, I can't yeah, it's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So he's just in there, just uh, witnessing to people and counseling people, and mm-hmm. saying, you know, I've I've been doing this a long time, and I used to be a knucklehead too. And he said, um, 
if I remember right, he was in there for murder, but it doesn't matter. But he was, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, he was believing in God that he was going to get out one day. He really was. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I don't know if he ever did, but he. I just hear the way that he's. I hear the way that he's te- testifying to people, right? Right. And he's counseling them. And he's counseling these youngsters, right? And he's and he's he's really militant about Jesus, and I like that, right? And he's and he's like, man, the only way is God. Trust me. And I was just as I'm looking for books, I'm. I'm really kind of eavesdropping on him, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, so it the it kind of clears out, and I'm just looking through books, and uh, you know he introduces himself and kind of asks me where my walk with God is, what I'm in there for, you know, typical prison stuff. Right. And so we get to chatting, and uh, before I knew it, man, I'd gone through I don't know three three movements, which is at at certain times of the hour you can move through the prison. Right. And then, um, then the movement closes after ten or fifteen minutes, whatever right. it is. Yeah, it's ten minutes. Yeah. And so I'd went through like two or three, <laughs> two or three movement sessions with him, and uh, man, we just started chatting it up, and uh, and I became uh, started coming to church, and that's where I met you. Right, right. But there was other people in there preaching as well. I mean, yeah. uh, at that yeah. time, I I was the only one on my end of yeah. things. So you had me twice a month, but mm-hmm. you had Rick on the other end. Rick was in there, yeah. And uh, who else did you have? You guys uh, had other people that came in. Yeah, they were just kind of they were just kind of a. Um, oh, I don't know. You'd see them once, and then wouldn't see them again for six months. You know what I mean? Right, right. And they just people kinda, keeping their card. Right, right. <clears throat> and uh, and er, not everybody that does prison ministry do it to actually do it. Right, that's real. That's real. Because there's a lot of people that come in to do prison ministry, so it looks good hanging on their... uh, Resume. Resume, especially when they're applying to be pastors and stuff. We've seen that several times. It's irritating. It's not to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, if your heart's called to prison ministry, man, just do it. And what's even worse is when you have pastors out there that don't, don't believe the guy inside is pastoring. Yeah. Because he's never been inside a prison uh, to understand what's actually happening there. Uh, so he doesn't consider those pastors, and I, I find that quite bizarre. But it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, but I, I just want to kind of cover some of that. So, so how did how was the church structure in the prison? Feds or state? State. It was pretty. Um, it was pretty. I'm gonna say loosely. It's pretty loose. You okay. know what I mean? They were pretty. Anything. Anything we asked for. Um, Bibles. Um, cross necklaces, you know, okay, can we have this? Can we have that? Anything that had to do with God, they were pretty, they were pretty, um, yeah, you guys can have that kind of thing. Well, that's good. <clears throat> and they, they kind of promote it there. Sure. Don't they? Yeah, sure. Th- sure they do. That's you've had a, that we've had a couple of good wardens yeah. down there over the years. They're hard. They are. They are wardens. They but are. they, on the other end, when it comes to, if you're actually trying to better yourself, they work at it. Yep. Okay, so you do that time in there, and mm-hmm. then you hit the street. Well, I had to go back. Well, I had to go back and finish my Fed time. Okay, they said we'll go back and do a year and a day, and we'll just kill your Fed time. Well, that yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, it was worth it, and I really only did eight months, and then four months and a day in the halfway house. Okay, and so came back out to the halfway house, which I'd been in and out of a couple times. One in Gillette, a couple times, you know, screwing up on probation, parole, right. And I came out, and uh, I hit the street, and really didn't, uh, you know, started staying with this. So there was this girl that I stayed with after the, 
That that's how every prison story starts. So oh. there's this girl. So anyway, go on with the girl. Okay, so I, I started working in the halfway house. I started working at the Ramcota as a maintenance guy. Right. Um, it was my first job out of prison, and I met this girl there, and we kind of started hooking up. She was um, about ten years younger than me at the time. Right. And uh, lived with her for a while. Didn't work out. Uh. Moved in with some friends that didn't work out. Um, and that was the first time that I had gone to the mission. The old, it was the old mission at the time. Oh yeah. That was where we didn't have much of a building at all. Did we? No, we had, we had like three separate buildings and they were all real teeny tiny and junk and garbage. They've been there a long time. Right. And, uh, so they started, I went to the mission you know, things weren't working out on the street. Is that when you ran into William? I did. No, okay. that was the second. That was how? Yeah, that was the first time. That's the first time. Yeah, okay, yeah. so you go in there. You end up, uh, it was hard. It was hard for you to be at the mission. Yeah, it was rough, and, man. And you run into William. And I run into a guy that I'd known since kindergarten. Yeah, William Stover. Yeah, William Stover. Shout out to Bill. I knew him as Bill back then. He went by Bill back then. Oh, I bet he did go by Bill back then. <laughs> and so, yeah, Stover, we know you're listening. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, I know that guy. And I keep looking at him. He keeps looking at me. And we're looking at each other. And we're trying to figure each other out. You know what I mean? And finally, he goes, Rocky Johnson? And I'm like, Bill Stover? And I was like, whoa, this is weird. And uh, so, like I said, I've known this guy since kindergarten, right? And, of course, we're way into our 30s by that, by this time. Right. And, uh, so, you know, we start reminiscing about the old days and he's like, yeah, man, I'm in the discipleship program, blah, blah, blah. You should join. And, and I said, well, what is that? Yeah. So what is the discipleship program? Yeah. And he's like, well, it's like a, it's like Bible college mixed with recovery. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's try it out. So I go talk to, um, Dave Matthews, who is a good friend of mine now. He didn't, he we wasn't very close back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet not. So go on. And, um, you know, he said, <clears throat> yep, go ahead. Well, um, the guys that were in the program uh, lived upstairs at the time. Right. Because there was upstairs. And the guys that were working lived upstairs. Right. Uh, before the new building was built. And he said, well, move your stuff upstairs and you start classes the next day. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And he said, so-and-so is your counselor. And... uh I said, okay, went and talked to him and, uh, said, yeah, man. So what do you think about the program? I said, I don't know yet. I haven't really started. And he said, I think you'll like it. And he, you know, we talked about my walk with Christ and where I was at and a little bit of my history. And that was the first time I was in the discipleship program, man. And it, uh, I, it set me for getting out of state prison. It set me on the path that I'm on now. Okay. That, that'd be a key thing that I want to point out there is that, that is one thing with uh, doing that. If you would have done that as uh, part of your halfway house experience, yeah. do you think it would have been a better experience? I think it would have been an awesome experience if if they could make some way where some of them, like some of those guys coming out of TC, instead of coming out of TC, going to the discipleship program instead of to the halfway house, I think they would be more successful, personal opinion. But. Well, that's a good personal <clears throat> opinion because that's one thing that maybe needs started up is a halfway house that is based in a situation like that in correspondence with uh, it over there. But part of the <clears throat> thing is you'd have to 
You'd have to really rein that in. Okay, so yeah, that's a that's pretty solid. Uh, so uh, now, was I teaching there? You were not yet. <clears throat> okay, I had been looking for you, and I remember you telling me in prison, "Get a hold of me when you get out." <clears throat> you said, "I go to this church. It's just this tin building over in, uh, um, wherever the Hope Church is now. Oh yeah, over there by uh, over there off Collins. Was it there then? No, no, it was in North Casper then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it's. Like you're like it's in this building. It's over in North Casper, and I was like, dang man, I." I was like, does anybody know Bert Eldridge? And like, yeah, we know Bert. Well, everybody you, knows him. Yeah. And he's like, and I was like, well, do you know where he's at? Do you know where his church is? He's like, well, he's kind of a preach in the wilderness kind of preacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have a church for uh, sure. Uh-uh. He's like, he just kind of goes to whatever church and preaches. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's, I was like, what about this church in North Casper? He's, I said, I can't remember the name of it. He said it was in this weird building and you can't really tell it's a church. And so, um, I got down to North Casper one day and I'm driving all around and I don't see no church and I'm like, dang it. Then Bert rolls up to the mission one day on his bike and we're all standing outside the old mission. Right. And, uh, you roll up on your bike and that's when you very, that's when you started doing, um, that's when you started teaching there at the disciple, yeah, yeah. discipleship level, right at the discipleship level. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I've been looking for you. And, uh, that's how we kind of hooked up again. Right. But let's let's go into the other things that developed out of the the program there. Mm-hmm. So you had classes with numerous different teachers. They sure. taught you how to live clean, sober, et cetera. Did right. you hold it together and maintain a good life thereafter? I wish I could have said that I did. I wish you could too, but we <laughs> had to walk one more stupid path. We had to walk one more stupid path. So let's go to the stupid path. Okay, so at the end, I tw- call Bert and tell him I met a girl. That's, <laughs> that's how this conversation actually started. All right, Bert, Bert, I met this girl and it wasn't good for me and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? Same old story. Um, broke up, started using again, um, and that of, that you relapsed. Yeah, I relapsed pretty hard. Just I mean, then. but let, let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. So you relapse now. One thing I want to get across to the listeners is that. You can walk a really solid path for a long time. It does not take very much to get off track. It doesn't. Because, uh, you know, I'll I'll use the Shane Vincent comment all the time. For every mile of dirt road, there's two miles of ditch. And we always feel like we're headed the right way, but sometimes we're just in the ditch waiting to have an accident. Yeah, that's real. And that's where you were at. I mean, you were headed the right direction, but you were trying to do it rocky's way yep it, isn't that would you that's say accurate. that's accurate it's very accurate okay so uh i just want to make sure that that's clear yep, because it is we got people that are li- listening right now that are struggling with uh man i don't want i i i won't fall down again etc and they do yeah so go on yeah so it's um you know <clears throat> addiction's tricky man it's uh it's always waiting. It's always waiting behind every corner. What we say in recovery is, it's out in the parking lot doing push-ups and waiting for you. There you go. It, it's getting stronger while you're trying to get stronger. Yep, and it's just out there waiting for you. Right. And it takes one bad decision to get back to where you were. And every time I relapsed, it was worse than the last time. Hmm. Mm. It increases. That's interesting. Well, because now you got a new guilt. Yeah. So you got to keep that guilt silent. And and here's the other thing too, right? The drugs are different. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I I could, <laughs> you know, I couldn't imagine smoking pot today. 
Because the ditch weed I was smoking back in the 1980s. Yeah, that's real. That wouldn't even be shake today, nope, I'm nope. sure. That, yeah. I, I don't even think that would. Ex- I don't even think that exists today. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't. No. I mean, they 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 got so much stuff going on. They right, got, and the same thing is true of all drugs. Sure. So you end up back in in the business, and what happens? So I'm back to using, back to selling. Uh, this is the end of 2019. Um. Come uh, February of 2020, I get pulled over with some dope in my pocket. Right. Um, and then we meet Bert where? In jail. In jail. Because <laughs> you seem to like to go everywhere I'm at. There's different <laughs> ways to do it, brother. Yeah, yeah. So Bert said, this is not the way that you follow me around so I can teach you. Right. That <laughs> yeah. is true. Uh, yeah. I did say that <laughs> yeah. exact phrase. Yeah, in jail. And I said, okay, fair enough. And uh, so they made me do 30 days. Went back to court, and so crazy thing in court, it, or while well, I was doing this 30 days in jail, of course, I wasn't in the best shape. I was about 145 pounds. And let's talk about 30 days in jail. They gave you 30 days in jail with finding dope in a convicted felon who's been to the Fed and who's been to the state pen, and all of a sudden, God started interrupting. Let's yeah. be realistic yeah. about that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a chance. You weren't arrested. You were <clears throat> rescued. I was rescued. I had a half a gram in my pocket, but I was a convicted felon. Um, I, I'd been, I was off parole at this time. Thank God. And, uh, you know, they, they, they already knew who I was, I'm sure. Because when that cop pulled me over, the canine unit was already with him. Oh yeah. And so he pulled me over because he said that I didn't. This is, I don't know if this is true or not. I don't know. I was high at the time. And he said, I didn't turn my blinker on a hundred feet before the turn. Yeah. That's uh, an excuse pullover <laughs> is what that is. So nonetheless, here we go. We get thrown right. in jail. Then what happens? So Chris uh, come up and saw you too from Chris, CR. Pastor Adam. Um, so, and crazy thing that you mentioned, Pastor Chris, because he said something that changed my life forever. He came in cause he is clergy and he said, he looked at me with, and he was crying with tears in his eyes. And he said, brother, please do not make me do your funeral. Yep. And that that rocked me to my very core. And I was like, whoa. I was like, man, I must look real. I must look way worse than I think I do. Oh, you did. And I, I was in pretty you, rough shape. You were, you were out of control. I was out of control for sure. So the, it was 30 days before I could even go back to court. Right. And so they said, you're, I got arrested in February. They said, your court date ain't till March. And I was like, right. so, so I just got to sit till my court date. He's like, yeah, unless you bond out. And of course, I called everybody I know, and they have, they said absolutely not. Yeah, you need because to they were warned by lots of us to do not bail him out. He needs to clean up. That's exactly what happened. You know what? Pre- jail is not the worst thing in the world. It's really not. You get three hots and a cot. Yeah, your world is going to come crashing to an end. You, you when you're inside, you think it right. is. I'm losing everything, yeah. etc. I didn't have nothing to lose at the time anyway. Your life. My life. Was the only thing you were going to gain back is a life. Right. And so I sat 30 days and I didn't say that, you know, 30 days in jail to me after my record wasn't, you know what I mean? No big deal. 30 days. And, but here's something that changed. You know, when I went to jail or prison before it was the old, and I know everybody that's been in there said this, it's the old God, if you get me out of this, I swear I'll never do X, Y, Z. Liar. (laughs) I'll never do X, Y, Z. 
And so what did you end up doing? Um, so I got down on my knees one night. X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I got down on my knees one night and I said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to say the same old prayer that I've said every time I went to jail. Here's what I, here, here's the covenant I am going to make with you. Whatever your will is in this situation, let it be done. I'm not going to beg you to get me out of jail. I'm not going to beg you to set me free from jail this time. But whatever your will is, and when I do get out, I will never, ever again in my life be ashamed to mention your name. Fair enough. Then? After that prayer, um, a couple weeks later, I went to court, and um, the, the DA walks over to me before I uh, before the judge comes out, and he says, this is the only deal you're going to get from me. And what did they offer you? <laughs> this is crazy. I even... So they said no monetary fines at all. One year supervised probation. Right. Drug classes, IOP, and we let you out of jail today. Right. And I was this these were the exact words that came out of my mouth. Are you sure you have the right case? Right. And he said Rocky Johnson, right? And he said what's your birth year? And I gave him my birth year. He said, "Yep, got the got the file right here." He said, this is a one-in-a-lifetime deal, and this is the only one you're going to get. Right. And I said, no monetary fines at all? He said, nope, not even court cost. But you're going to give me one year supervised probation. You're going to give me IOP till you finish it, and I let you out of jail today. My next words were, where's your pin? Right. Well, and that, <laughs> so let me sign the papers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's so, the papers? Uh, we, went through the, we went through the thing. You know, the judge came out, and we went through it all. Right. And he said, um, you know, DA, do you have a, what's the deal? What do you want? What do you want to do with them? And he read off what he, exactly what he told me. And, uh, <clears throat> my, my public pretender agreed mm-hmm. and, uh, I got out and that was the second time I went to the program. Okay. Yeah. And then you come back to the mission. I did. And Brent and I were both teaching down there. My yep. buddy Brent. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, you you got through and you graduated that program, yep. all three phases. Yep. You also got off probation. I remember taking a picture with you uh, when you had successfully completed and was off paper for the first time as an adult. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then the next part of the deal was you started down some roads to living actually the clean life and that's where you're at right now it is so your uh ministry right now is focused in what direction tell me what all ministries you are tied in so i'm tied into celebrate recovery right Um, now do you take people through the steps i do we do we do a christ-centered step study which i'm teaching one of those right now with my homie pastor adam and uh we're teaching a step study, which is kind of the, we call it the meat and potatoes of Celebrate Recovery. Right. Um, we go through the 12 steps, but we do it Celebrate Recovery style, which it's all Christ-centered. Right. Um, yeah, it ain't pick your own coffee cup. Nope, it's not. It's it's the same steps as NA and AA, but it's well, all based around Christ. And NA and AA are very great programs. They are great programs. And That's if, where I started my recovery. If you want to check into one of those, do it. Yeah. But it, you want to do it Christ-centered. And you jump to CR. So you've got that. Now, what else are you doing? Um, so I got my YouTube channel, which, um, you know, you kind of inspired me to do with the Barbarian Prophet from last time. Yeah. Um, I got, I'm kind of tied into your ministry a little bit. 
here and there. Um, you know, I do things, whatever Highland Park needs. Right. Tied into that ministry and, you know, on the street too, because that's my people. You know what I mean? Right. I'm um, also, you know, um, going to your class on at the mission on Wednesday, uh, Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I have a heart from the mission because that's where, that's where I learned a lot of the stuff I learned besides what I learned from you. Right. Um, well, and, so that, I, and that's one of the things that I, I hope to see you continue on because at some point, uh, I, you know, I will be taking on other challenges, et cetera, or a few years down the road, but sure. that's where we got to get you through some education. Yep. We got to get a couple other people through some education. Absolutely. Because the one thing is, is uh, Rocky, you don't may not realize this, but I'll say this very publicly right now, is that I always have uh, thanked God for the fruit that he has produced in my life. And I have definitely seen that spiritual fruit come alive in you in working with me for the last several years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see you producing your own fruit now. And it's just like we were on your show the other day and a random guy we do not know. All right started asking uh, us to get through there. Now, he found your show. He didn't find mine. He didn't find it's had nothing to do with me or anything else. I happened to be there. Right. But the truth of the matter was is that because you're reaching out and because you're taking that chance, that's what ministry looks like. Yeah. Uh, we just keep doing it. We're not, we can screw this up. It's yeah, going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. Jesus will cover us sure. in our stupid, right? Yeah, that's real. Thank God. Uh, but it doesn't need mean that we need to go back inside. And, you know, mm-hmm. as we go ahead and continue to grow, uh, in the wild goose ministry stream of things that what happens is we get, uh, great opportunities to reach out, but I just want you to know, I'm very, very proud of you. And, and the things that you're doing, uh, are incredibly good. You're, I think you sell yourself short sometimes. Oh, yeah, I do, for sure. When, But the truth of the matter is, God has got a calling on your life. Uh, don't worry about what man thinks. Worry about what God thinks. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that. And I'm, you know, I'm slowly learning that. And once, and that's a freedom that, you know, that you get from that. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter what any of these people think. It only matters what God thinks. And God, yeah, absolutely. And God has sent me on this purpose, and I've known my purpose for a long time, probably since even I was a kid. And right. now, and I've been running from it for so long, and it's way easier to run towards it. Absolutely, and you know, most of the time, what we run from is we run out of fear. Yeah, absolutely, uh, because we don't understand what the outcome's going to be. But sure. we'll jump into something else that we don't know what the outcome's going to be, and it usually is crushing. Yeah, very. And that's why we end up in prisons yeah. and jails, and right? Living on the street and sure. so on. Yeah, but yeah, you've. Uh, uh, so what advice, so here in our, in our last four minutes episode, what would be your advice to the person getting out of prison right now? Let's say he's getting out of prison in anywhere, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, he's getting out of prison. What would be his best route of survival to not relapse coming from a person who has relapsed? Okay, there's a there's a few steps here. Number one, and I know this is the hardest thing to do because I'm still working on it and I've been out of prison for several years now. You have to drop the prison mentality. That does not work out here in real life. It does not work. It will get you into more trouble than it will save you. All that tough guy stuff, leave that stuff in prison, man. For real, for real. 
You right. gotta, you gotta come out here and you have to live life on life's terms. You don't get to live it on your terms like you did in prison. Right. So that's, that's one thing I would recommend. And I know it's hard because I, I still have problems doing it. And that prison mentality rises up in me sometimes. And, uh, so that'd be the first thing. The next thing is stop worrying about what everybody else thinks. Don't worry about, does this guy think I'm tough? Does this girl think I'm tough? That's nobody cares out here, man. I'm telling you, I talked to this guy and I can't remember his name. Adam actually talked to him. He used to come to see our lot. Got tattoos all over his face. Yeah, I know the cat. Yeah, yeah. And and he said, you know what? I was a shot caller in prison. I held the keys to that whole yard. But when I came out here and I went to work for Burger King, nobody cared about that stuff. They just wanted their fries. And that was the most realest thing I ever heard in my life. Yep. Man, you cannot get more real than that. Right. And they, they're looking at you. They don't care where you've been or nope. what you've done. You know, at one point in time, things like that scared people, et cetera. Sure. They don't even bat an eye anymore. No, nope, they don't care. They just want their fries, he said. Right. Yeah, that's that's real, man. That yeah. is that's like super good. All yeah. right, what else do you got? Okay, the next thing is this man, go out and find your purpose. And I know that's a hard thing to say and it's a hard thing to do, but you have a purpose in this life. And it isn't a job. It's not a job. All right. I mean, if you've got a family, one of the first purposes you need to do is start being a father again. So yep. Start looking at what you can do to start being a father. Right. Your kids need you, man. Yeah. One thing that when people are sitting in prison, they have a tendency to go, well, you know, my kids on, on and on and on. And then they get out and run amok mm-hmm. because uh, their kids, they, they make them sound important, but in all reality, their addictions, et cetera, are the most important. That's having that other God. So what's your right. next step? Next step is, man, just keep your head down and do you. You know what I mean? Yes, you'll have to get a job when you get out. Yes, you're going to have some struggles when you get out. Yes, the halfway house sucks. But if you look at it from a different perspective and just remember that it's only for a season and pretty soon you're going to be out on your own. You're going to need a house to live in. You're going to need a car to drive. You're going to need basic food, shelter, clothing, stuff like that. Focus on those things. So what about, uh, how about, Working into their faith, finding a church. What? How was it coming into the church body? Uh, I mean, you went into CR, but what would you recommend to them for how to figure out how to flow in a church? This is going to sound bad, but go church hopping. Oh, no, that don't sound bad at all. Find the church that works for you, man, and you'll know. People always ask me all the time, Rocky, how do I know? You'll know. You'll know. You'll know because you start figuring out how you can help them. Correct. That is how you figure it out because uh, it becomes not about how the church, this church doesn't meet my needs. Well, what are you doing for the church? That's right. Because, you know, Jesus didn't say go to the church where you, where you get your needs met. Right. You go to where you can help serve others. They know us by our love for one another, but our service for one another is super important. It's part of the fruit, man. Absolutely. So if you can't love your brother, if you get there and that ain't working, you need to move on. I get it. You need to go to a different church, right? But okay. find the one that works for you. Also have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not depend on one of the very first things Bert ever taught me was don't take my word for it. Go study it for yourself. And he always said, if you can find and show me in the Bible where I'm wrong, I will gladly openly admit that I was wrong and we'll do it your way. Absolutely. And so that was the first thing I did. So you know what? That's what I did. All right. Is this 
preacher telling me the right things? Is he preaching out of the Bible? Is he is he injecting his own opinion? Is he doing this? The only way to do that is go read it for yourself and study it. And you know, that means packing your Bible to, to church. Yeah, your paper Bible, not the Bible app, which is I am guilty of just using the Bible app in church. Yeah, we got to get away from that. Yeah, yeah for I'm real. Uh, people do. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 you know me. I hate it. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. I, I don't like the holy Google. It's a holy Bible. Yeah, sucking yeah. into that. All right, man. So, and then uh, how about dealing with uh, injuries? And I mean, like hurt feelings, stuff to that effect. You get out of prison, you start needing to uh, kind of heal up some things with your family. How do you go about doing that? Well, there's a thing in recovery called making amends. <clears throat> it's not an easy thing to do. You have to go and tell the people that you're more than sorry for what you've done to them. Right. So making amends is a hard thing to do. And <clears throat> so here's the thing about making amends. It ain't always for them. It's for you. It is for you. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to add to that. And I don't know if you guys teach us in CR or not, but I'm going to add to that and say... The first person you need to forgive in all of it is you. We very much teach that, yes. Yeah. Jesus forgave you. So right. you can head to things uh, have be, having been forgiven and ask for forgiveness yeah. when you know you're already forgiven from Christ. Right. And that will change your mentality and how you deal with that person, right? Right. So there's two commands that Jesus gave, right? Love your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. Okay. Love yeah. your neighbor as who? Yep. Yourself. Right, See, people forget about the yourself part. Right. Guess what? You can't give away something that you don't have. That's fact. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love others. Right. Now, uh, you know, one of the things that when I had you come on the show today, I know you were going to talk about your, uh, you were going to give your testimony. Yeah. You were going to give us today. I know when you left your house, you were like, I'm going to give them how I came to know Jesus, et cetera. Right, right. But I wanted you to do this show with this purpose in mind. I wanted you to see how God is living in you so strongly today that when you walk out the door of this studio today, that you will recognize that Christ is pouring through you so much, Rocky, that uh, his story, the story he has with you it's not your salvation story. That one's important, granted. Sure. But the story he has with you is happening right now in this moment. And you are an ongoing adventure. And you're an ongoing person that is giving sound advice. Because what you don't realize is there's people on the other end of this right now listening going, that is not how it was when my husband got out. And I'm going to be doing some shows sure. specifically on how to deal with inmates coming out. Sure. Uh, because sometimes they come out and they implode their family and do all kinds of things. And that's that prison mentality I was talking about. Right. So what I wanted you to realize is that I don't just have you in here as a guest and a student and a person who follows me. I see you as a teacher, the same as me. I see you as a person that God is elevating immensely in order to start training and teaching others. And I am just overwhelmed with love for you. Thanks, brother. And uh, I can tell you this, that you have a lot in your life that God is working with. So just continue walking that path. 
So your last piece to anybody, what's one thing you want them to know about Rocky Johnson? I love you. I see you. God is proud of you. I'm proud of you. God sees your struggles, man. Just cry out to him. I got to cry out to him. Today I was, man, God put me on my knees today and I needed to be there. I ain't been on my knees in a minute. You know what I mean? And I got on my knees and I cried out to him. And God hears our prayers. He hears us crying out to him. He knows our heart, right? So um, I love you, but here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing about love, right? It doesn't mean I love the things you're doing. You know what I mean? True. Um, I don't just like people. I, I people, loved you all through your stupid. Right. And I love, and I love people through their stupid. Right. Right. But God knows our stupid. Thank God. Absolutely. He, 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 fact- he loves us through stupid. He factored in our stupid. It's the realest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, I can only imagine how long it took to do the math on my stupid. And he's like, uh, Oh, but at the end. He will come out okay. That's what I think. That's what he said about me too. It's like you're going to be all right. And man, I've been through some crazy, crazy, seen some crazy things in my life, man. Things that nobody should be, things that a human being should not see. Right. And you know what? God was there with me. I I may not have always been following him, but he was always right there with me through. Even when I was, even when I was a deadbeat, junkie, drunk, living on the street, God was there with me, man. Amen. And he was calling me home. Like the go read the prodigal son. Doesn't matter what you did, just come home. Absolutely. So, all right. So you know how we end all these shows. I love you, and Jesus loves you. And there's, there's nothing you can, can do, do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at thebarbarianprophet.com. The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. Well, one of the things that we're going to have coming up, folks, we're going to be having to come up with some discussions with some actually psychiatrists that deal with people coming out of the prison. And we hope that you join us for future episodes. Again, I just want to thank my guest, Rocky Johnson, and to tell you, God thinks you're amazing, and I can't wait to talk to you again. So God bless. <laughs>